welcome. My name is Molly Carmichael with Zonda with this podcast series on inspirational leadership. We are going to hear from the industry's best and the brightest and the most inspirational leaders in our industry and how they became the leaders they are today. These leaders and their teams are literally designing our future for generations to come. I've been a developer, a builder, and a consultant throughout the country for more than 30 plus years. And I love this industry and so many of the people in it. And on that note, I hope you enjoy the series with me and let's get started. Hello everyone, this is Molly Carmichael today and we are joined by a good friend to me and to so many in the industry, Larry Webb. We're gonna hear about his journey to leadership and a little about him personally. Larry's really done it all. He's been a teacher, a market researcher, a developer. He's led many different home building organizations, including his most recent adventure with the new home company, I think for at least the last 10 plus years. He's also served on many charitable foundations like Homemade America and Interval House, helping to provide shelter to the less fortunate. There is no doubt that Larry is one of the most inspirational people in our industry. In fact, I think every person I talk to about this series brought Larry Webb up. So let's get started and hear from Larry himself. Larry, welcome. Hello and welcome everyone. And thank you for joining us. Uh, We are here with our inspirational series with Larry Webb. He's one of the most fascinating, inspirational people I think most of us have known. I think every interview I've done so far, Larry Webb comes up pretty consistently. So Larry, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Uh, It's my pleasure. I'm actually, uh, you know, first of all, it's nice that you even remember me, Molly. Okay. (laughs) And and I'm kind of humbled by the whole thing. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's 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 amazing. I, I can't tell you how many times you've come up when we've talked about this series. So we're just thrilled to have you. We're going to talk a little bit about just uh, sort of who you are and and what you're doing these days. But I want to start out first with tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. I know you recently sold your last company, and so there's there's time to play and have some adventure, but also. Uh, you're always sort of, you've always got tentacles everywhere. So just share a little bit about uh, you and where you're at today. Well, it's interesting. I haven't been able to really say the R word because uh, <laughs> uh, it just seems so odd. But, you know, we we sold New Home Company in September. Uh, and it, um, it was something that I, I was anxious to do. When we started New Home Company in 2009, I had three great partners, uh, Tom Redwitz, Joe Davis, and Wayne Stelmar, and they all retired over the course of uh, the 13 years we were in business at one time or another. Tom still helped with architecture and design, but Joe and Wayne were totally out. Tom was a consultant, and I looked around and said, you know, I'm all by myself here. What happened? And... um, and, and I felt it was a right, the right time to transition and to, um, to sort of help New Home Company grow more by bringing in Apollo, um, you know, a big financial backer who wanted to grow the business significantly. So that was really positive. Um, since then, um, Joan and I, and for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, I am married to Joan Webb, who, uh, Joan Marcus Webb, who had been our chief marketing officer and is uh, the love of my life. And, um, you know, we, we are still figuring out together what the next chapter is going to be. Um, I, uh, you know, you can tell, everyone can tell I'm in great shape. I work out all the time. I'm a, the king of Peloton, I would like you to know, there is, uh, if anyone is on Peloton, they will never beat me, okay? (laughs) And Joan worries she's going to come in one day and I'm going to be slumped over the Peloton like like big in uh, uh, Sex in the City. And it's not going to happen. But um, we're still deciding what's kind of the next chapter is going to be. There's going to be something and it's definitely going to be involving nonprofits and uh, 
you know, ho, ho, uh, you know, I, I've always wanted, had an underlying idea that I've been pretty lucky in my life. And I definitely want to leave the world a better place than I came into it. And so, you know, we're thinking about a lot of things, uh, but we, I never had time off in my life from being a, from my first day of being a teacher till this September, I never had a day off and uh, a real day off that I wasn't thinking about work. So it's, it's kind of an unusual transition. And, um, and it's a little daunting and a little exciting, but um, it, it's also an unknown. So see me in a year, all right? I was gonna say, I, I don't know that I see the R word for you, Larry. <laughs> I think we're all just gonna wait for your next, next adventure for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely not gonna tell you my Peloton name because I just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain you're beating me. I just am happy when I get up on the Peloton. That's a good move for me. So Anyone who gets on that Peloton is a winner. I can tell you that. <laughs> it doesn't matter what gonna, you do. I'm going to actually put that on top of my Peloton to remind myself to get back on it. So, yeah. so that's interesting. And that's, that's exciting for you. And I, I think you and Joan just recently met a new member in your family. We did. Um, uh, I, um, we have our first grandson and first grandchild. And we were in DC uh, with my, my daughter and my son-in-law and my, uh, my other daughter and we spent five days holding Freddie, uh, who was born 10 pounds, three ounces. And uh, my daughter's five foot one. He's a big kid. He was 22 inches long. It's a funny deal. I hadn't really held a baby for, you know, my, my daughter's 36 and my other daughter's 33. Hadn't held a baby in a long time, but uh, it was fun. And, you know, couldn't help but shed a tear or two, you know. Well, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I effectively had nothing to do with this, let me tell you. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. Well, it started with you and then the daughter. So that's that's pretty awesome. And yeah. I can't think of a more enjoyable time in my life. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and we'll look forward to see what you do on the nonprofit side and all those things. You and Joan are... Um, you know, such an amazing team. Uh, it's thrilling to see you guys together and how happy you are, but just the work you guys have done in the industry and the leadership of both of you is unmatched. It's, it's amazing. Well, I'm in many ways trying to support Joan. She does a lot with the women's um, conference, oh. you know, that is pretty amazing. And she's also very involved with the, um, 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 California Housing Foundation, and she'll be the MC or host for this year's Hall of Fame. Uh, and so, so I'm going as a plus one, and um, you know, it's it's fun a little bit. I've never had that before, so it's it's fun. So yeah, Joan inspires me every day. Well, I want I want her for this series too. She's pretty amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, well, let's. I want to go back to a little bit. Um, we're going to go back a little bit in time. And I want to hear a little bit about sort of uh, Larry Webb as he was growing up and 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 how you you found yourself in home building. I mean, uh, tell us kind of your story. Did you always want to be a home builder or how did you get into this business? No, it's really pretty funny uh, and interesting and kind of points out how um, how things happen in mysterious ways. Uh, I and one of the least mechanical people you've ever met. I'm good with balls, you know, like soccer balls and basketballs and baseballs, always played sports. And when I got, I was a history major in college and um, my first job was um, as a high school social studies teacher in Massachusetts. But I grew up in Buffalo and if, uh, and Buffalo, when I grew up was a steel town and a, um, automobile factory, industrial city. And I always said, if I ever wrote an autobiography, it should be called, I was a little, I'm a little guy from Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> because I, I, you know, I, I've uh, always felt that uh, I was uh, given a great gift of being in a very uh, loving family with, um, 
in in a in a in a place that um, you know that I I had a chance to just be myself and to, to discover who I was. I went to a little state school in upstate New York. That's what we could afford, and played soccer, uh, became a teacher and a coach, and I did that for six years and really loved it. And uh, um, there's a lot of things. I'm not good at, but I'm a great social studies teacher, okay, and love teaching. I can see you as a great teacher. I mean, I you was are a teacher, teacher, teacher and I had little steel rim glasses and long hair, and I looked like long uh, hair. John Lennon. Well, not long, but you know, not as long as your hair, but <laughs> long, long, you know, I longer. It was, it was the 70s, right? It was the <laughs> right. early 70s. And uh I decided that I um uh, wanted to teach in college and I went back and got a, I was going to school in Boston and uh, for two years I taught uh, European history in uh, at Northeastern University and was getting uh, a master's in history on the way to getting a PhD in history and I made a transition and I, uh, I went and got a, a two years master's in city and regional planning. Uh, graduated in 1980 from Harvard um, and had um, probably had the lowest GPA of any human who's ever gotten in Harvard. Who knows <laughs> how they accepted me. But, but you got into Harvard. So that's I did all get, that counts. Yeah, I did. And, and I got out of Harvard too. So that, right. that's And you graduated from Harvard. I did graduate from too. Harvard. Uh, but uh, the day I graduated, um, we, uh, I got a job, uh, started doing market research and financial analysis. And I really did a lot of things that you did early in your career, earlier in your career. And I I'm still doing, <laughs> yeah, I was no, but I was doing market studies all over the United States. I was, and, um, and I worked first in Washington, DC, and then in Denver, uh, and did that for four years. And my, um, and did office studies and industrial park studies and urban redevelopment, all kinds of things. But it, it, it was early in the market research field. And um, um, the people I was most attracted to were home builders. And part of it was that they weren't just looking for a report to give because the bank said you needed a report. They were investing their own money at that time. Right. And one of my biggest clients uh, Mission Viejo Company had just started a master plan in Denver named Highlands Ranch. And they uh, offered me a job to be the head of marketing and um, product development at Highlands Ranch in 1984. I and that. I sat with the head of uh, Mission Viejo Company, a guy named Phil Riley, who ran Mission Viejo in California and in Denver. And, and he said, uh, you know, I'd like you to come and take this job. And I said, well, uh, Mr. Riley, and he was probably 55. I thought he was 100 years old. Okay. He, you know, he just seemed like this old, tough guy to me. And uh, I said, Mr. Riley, I don't really know anything about marketing. I do market research. And he looked at me and said, <laughs> marketing market research, do you want the fucking job or don't you? <laughs> and I looked and I thought for a second and I said, sure, I'll take it. And, uh, and I uh, worked there three years and then uh, a builder I never heard of kept offering me a job in California through a headhunter. Uh, and uh, I kept thinking, I love Denver. Why, why would I go to California? And this builder just was pretty intense and they kept offering me a job. And I finally thought, you know, I just can't pass this up. And it was Kaufman and Broad. So literally before KB Home, they were Kaufman and Broad. And in 1987, I went to work for Kaufman and Broad in West LA. Uh, and uh, six months later, they only had five divisions at the time. They weren't a giant company then. Six months later, um, I was running Orange and Riverside County yeah, from 87 
uh, I did to 91. And uh, that was quite an experience for a guy who uh, had never really been a home builder before. And it taught me a lot, uh, both of what good things to do and also what not to do. But it was uh, quite a journey, uh, if you think about it, because um, I never grew up thinking about being a builder, always thought I would either be a lawyer or a teacher. And, uh, um, and it, it was, and, it, and I was the luckiest guy in the world because it's, I was made to be a home builder. I was made to do this. And uh, um, it was challenging. I never stopped learning. Um, and uh, and it, was, it was pretty fun. What were the, where were the top uh, three things you liked working about for Mission Viejo Company? And give me the same three for uh, KB Home or Kaufman and Bro at the time. Yeah, right. Well, uh, for Mission Viejo, they, you know, they had, had this great success with Mission Viejo, California. Sure. And um, they gave me a platform where I got to be involved with the planning and design literally of 30,000 homes into the future. So I got to sit in meetings. Um, they, in a lot of ways, they were like the Irvine Company, which Molly, you know sure. really well. But um, Phil Riley and Don Bren had been partners at Mission Viejo before Donald Bren went off to start the Irvine Company. And if you recall, the Irvine Company had, uh, I think they had like a three meeting process or a step process. And so the idea was to take really smart people and have them think about improving all the time what the, um, what the, the planning and the houses and the parks and the recreation looked like. And, and it really gave me a platform to think about our industry. Uh, along the way, there was a young architect there who I, I, I would like to say I recognize his skills. At, at, when I first got to Mission Viejo, all the architects were Orange County architects who they brought in. And as most of you know, we have some of the greatest architects in the world here, residential architects. So they were all extremely talented. But there was this red-haired, kind of tall, thin guy who worked with me at Mission Viejo. And the big California architects would come in. And then my 26-year-old friend would bring out the tissue paper and say, have you thought about this and start sketching? And they would look and say, that's a good idea. We can do that. And after about six months, I went to Mission Viejo and said, we don't need any California architects. Let's just have Mike Woodley do this full time. And, and they said, Mike, what? he's only 26. And I said, he's the most talented person I've met. So talented. And so when I went to Kaufman and Broad, the first thing I did was hire Mike Woodley to come and become head of architecture for Kaufman and Broad. Uh, so, so that, you know, I think recognize, having, Mission gave me a chance to understand the business. And they also gave me a platform where I could learn. Um, moving to Kaufman and Broad was a totally different experience. They were based on results every minute. And uh, they didn't want excuses. It was a pressure packed situation, but, but it was 87, 88, 89. The market was booming. Everything I screwed up on, I got bailed out because things were so good. Um, one of my first openings I ever had uh, was in a project in Paramount, California. And we opened up and I sold 54 houses in one day. And I came in Monday ecstatic of what a success. And the first guy I saw was Chad Dreyer, the CFO. And he said, why did you sell so many houses? You didn't raise the prices. You left money on the table. <laughs> and, and, and he actually was totally right. But I was having such a good time. I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> uh, anyways. It, you were it, so proud of yourself. <laughs> I was so proud of it. Uh, and in some ways, it, you know, I, 
I really was. I thought I <laughs> had kind of created this great market. But uh, Kaufman and Broad was a reality check because whether it was Bruce Carrots, who was for a very powerful CEO and very, very involved, or Chad Dreyer, who later ran Ryland, um, every week they expected you to perform and perform better than you did the week before. And I spent four years there um, feeling as if I had a broken egg in my hands. And if I ever relaxed for one second, everything was going to come tumbling through. And um, uh, it, it taught me a lot about um, how to create an organization and a culture. It wasn't a culture that worked for me necessarily, but uh, and how to- A lot of great leaders came out of KB, but I, I, I heard it's tough. Yeah. It, 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 if it didn't break your spirit, it, it made you so much better. And I, my spirit is big and, you know, it is. is an unbreakable spirit. So uh, it, it helped me a lot. Uh, it helped me thinking, looking at schedules and constant improvement. And it, it was a tough place to work, but it was a great start for me. And it was also a great thing for me to uh, leave. Uh, 91 was a recession that was getting worse and worse. And I had decided that uh, I needed to be in charge. Uh, I was, I thought that KB was growing too fast for me and that my voice was uh, being heard less and less. And so I had a chance to go to work for a small builder in Southern California uh, named AM Homes. And AM Homes was a real design-oriented company um, filled with a lot of smart people. Uh, and they were scared to death when some uh, little guy from KB, Kaufman and Broad came in because they thought I was going to just want to build $100,000 widgets in Palmdale or something. So um, it, it was a very good experience. And a, a year later, K, uh, AM Homes was bought by Greystone with a plan of growing the business and going public. And Greystone did that and then eventually was sold to Lennar. Um, and um, I worked at um, First AM and then Greystone for four years. And then a British company came to me in 95 and said, we want you to run the whole thing. We haven't done well here um, and we'll listen to you and, uh, and we're doing poorly. And for anybody who'd like some leadership, adv leadership advice, I, I have one thing that I think could really help everyone. If you ever leave a job and go to another one, go somewhere where it's really bad and messed up because you look, the bar is so low, you look good right away. And, and I've always had, I've always gone to the next job and there'd been, uh, you know, big challenges. And then I also think that the day you walk in, the challenges are yours. Don't go blaming the people before you. And uh, so I went to John Lang Homes in 1995 and uh, stayed there for 13 years and loved every minute of it. And yeah, and did a fascinating job. You know, I was a groupie when you were there at Greystone, and I remember certain things you had done as AM and Greystone, and then going over to John Lang Homes. You you definitely changed the the design and even the focus. And I and I just a couple of comments on that. You did all levels of segmentation, but I think one of the things I was fascinated with is once again it was good design. I mean, yeah. at all price points. And, and that's hard to do because usually builders specialize in one category or the other. Yes. And, and at John Lang Homes, AM and Greystone, you, you did that for all of them. Well, you know, uh, the, uh, U of all people, Molly, and I guess my wife get that um, one of the keys to good design is understanding your buyers. For sure. And, and I think what happens when you become the president of a division or you become a CEO is you get a little farther removed from who these buyers are and you're looking at it much more of 
how many lots can we get and, and how fast can we sell and what um, are the margins? What are the margins? And, you know, for me, uh, coming out of marketing, market research, product development, I always felt that the, the more I could understand who my buyer was and, and what they desired or dreamed about, the better chance I could work with architects and have them design homes that that we're aiming for those people. And so it was always fun to do that. I used to go Saturday mornings and stand in our models with jeans and a golf shirt <laughs> in the family room and just sort of pretend I was uh, a buyer and listen to people. And you learn so much. Sometimes it's painful, but you learn so much about, um, about what worked and what didn't. And, uh, it, it, for me, it, working at those companies was an exciting time because uh, because uh, there was a tendency for the building community to not um, uh, personalize their housing programs. And, and you know, we've seen cycles in, in, again, see it again today, but where, uh, you know, my thought has always been the secret is standing in someone's shoes and and not your own shoes, but the buyer's shoes totally. and trying to pick um, just one or two features that they dream about and putting it in their home. Um, you know, when, when um, both Lang and at New Home, uh, I think we did that and um, uh, probably did it better even at New Home than we did at Lang, but you know, Joan, at, when, when we started New Home Company, Joan, one of the first things she did was we never met with architects before we did the focus groups. And if you recall it, at our condominium project at Meridian, you did the focus groups uh, at Big Canyon Country Club. I sat, but I, I was in there and listened to everyone and I walked away learning every single time. That I was the funniest group. That's the only yeah. group I've ever had, Larry, where people were trying to give me checks. And this project yeah. was like two years out and they're like, uh, can I write you a check and just give it to you now? And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Third party research, nothing to do with them. So I just started forwarding names of people who were, you know, trying to stuff checks in my pocket so they could buy one of those homes. That was, that was a fascinating group. Those were fascinating. It was very fun. It was very yeah. fun. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you put AM, Greystone, John Lang Homes, and certainly New Home Company on the map for sure. Um, and I don't know if it's a different answer for each, but but what were the key ingredients for you as a leader to literally turn, and, and I don't want to say all of them had to be turned around because some of them you started up completely, but what were the key ingredients that you found like, like don't miss this as a leader? I came to a conclusion over time, one that it, it really was a team business and that my role was to do two things. One, to make sure as in, the, in those jobs, in those functional positions, that I really had people who were the right people for the job and who recognized and bought off on an idea that building homes and planning communities for people is a noble thing to do with your life. And to, with that comes a responsibility to always be improving and getting better. So, so first it was find the right people. But then the second half of that was my role as president or CEO, I, I realized I had to create a culture that uh, encouraged and let people come to work every day to do the best work of their life and to be proud and, of that work. And, and it really, and to realize that we, we, we work together, each of us, we, were, we helped each other and, and to stand in each other's shoes with empathy and with pride of, of what we've accomplished. And so I always wanted, and it, I kept 
as I as I progressed within the industry, I be I became more and more sure that the culture that I wanted to create was the right one. And, and that it also meant I needed to um, walk the walk and, and live uh, by what I thought. And I didn't always do that. It took me time. So what do I mean by that? I sometimes had very high performers who underneath it didn't necessarily, thought it was all about them, uh, didn't necessarily respect homebuyers, uh, who didn't, didn't understand the nobility of, of what we did and really just thought they were smart as hell. And in many cases, they really were. They accomplished and they did what they were going to. But, and, and sometimes uh, as I was learning the system, I would let division presidents maybe not treat their staff as well as I thought they should because they got results. And, and that had been, you know, the old KB way. It didn't matter how you did it if you made your results. Well, that never felt right to me. And over time, I learned that unless people bought off on the philosophy that I had, which was your staff, your team members at every single level had to be respected and uh, loved. Uh, you definitely, uh, it, it, our company wouldn't have been the right company for you. And I got to be the beneficiary of working with the most energetic, positive, um, fun people ever. Um, and I got to spend 30 years doing that. And what a what a damn blessing for me to be around these wonderful people who, you know, you know, you, you mentioned you talked to Rhonda Conger. Well, well, Rhonda uses the word love all the time. Love wins. And, and I love it. And she says love wins, right? And I, I feel like that too. And um, one of the reasons she and I are friends is because, you know, most men in home building don't talk about loving their staff or loving their buyers or love, you know, loving their consultants. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, my thought is it really is a team business. It's a wonderful thing to do with our lives, but with that comes a responsibility. You got to improve every day. I want you to come in and be better tomorrow than you are today. And we have an industry that doesn't do that a lot. And so that was my challenge through my whole career to get people who are really good at what they did to come in every day and say, how can I be better? And when they did in any field from accounting to construction to sales, you know, when they did, you know, I had to be there for them and, 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 re and reward them uh, with praise and with, um, you know, with um, responsibility. And, and when they didn't, I had to be there and talk to them about it. And because, because that's, cultures just don't happen. And, you know, every company has a culture. You know, you've worked in a lot of places and you know what I mean. It, it, every it. company, every company has a culture. Uh, not all of them are great cultures, but they're, but they're strong. And, I wanted, uh, I never wanted to um, ever have uh, a, an employee who want to go somewhere else. And, but, uh, and that's in the appreciation part of it, right? I yeah, mean, that's, sure. that's such a big part of, of, of feeling like you want to get up early and go home late is you have to feel appreciated. Right, right. And, you know, I also wanted people to be able to go to their kids' soccer games. And, you know, I, or whatever. Uh, so um, even though I wasn't, you know, I, I, I talked a good game there and, you know, but, and I coached my kids from when they were four. I think you coached your kids too, as I recall. Yeah, I did. They two days a week at three o'clock, I was on that field and you know what? The world was just fine. Okay. It was, things got done. So, you know, so I, I actually think to your, question. It was never really about me. 
it was about um, an understanding that it was an us thing. And when you have good people at every level, you've got to help them grow because what they really want to do is see where can they go in the future and how do they take another step and another step. And so I, I spent a lot of time focusing on that. And, uh, and that's, that was fun. When we look at like AM Homes, KB Home, uh, Greystone, um, and we look at a uh, new home company, if you were to pick one thing you learned in all of those experiences, what would they be? I know that's kind of, kind of giving you that question on the fly, but, no, but I, no, I mean- it's that it, it really is, is um, quite simple and, and, and it's, it's so easy. And it is, um, our business is all about people. Great. It's not about sticks and bricks. It's not about uh, dirt. It, if you have the right people and you create an environment that they can get do the best work of their life and you make investments in those people and in all different ways from leadership programs to reading to books to real intra conversations about ideas um then then there's almost nothing you can't achieve and and it's important that those people get the credit you know in my life i have Good won point probably every major award you could win. I mean, it's, it, and I look back and think, you know, really that uh, all the times I won stuff, um, you know, uh, interesting. Lang was chosen as builder of the year by a, a, a national magazine. And then New Home was chosen as builder of the year. And to the best of my knowledge, no, CEO has ever taken two companies to be builder of the year. And when I thought about that for like a minute, I thought, well, you're pretty good. And then for the rest of rest of humanity, I realized, no, I had people making me and doing this. And I happened to be through good fortune, um, the recipient uh, of all kinds of credibility that uh, and uh, notoriety that was totally unfounded. Okay, it was it was this uh, you know when Builder of the Year picked us when Ed at Lang. One of the things that I at the time we had nine divisions, and I said I will only accept if my senior team, which was CFO, um, uh, Chief Marketing Officer. Um, and then my, uh, and COO, and then my nine division presidents, if we were all on the cover. And uh, they, and they said, great, we'll do that. I got everyone and we were on a job site and we uh, had great pictures. I remember that picture actually. Okay. Well, then the, the, um, the cover comes out and they had cropped it. And about six people on the inside, it folded out so that everyone was included. But on the outside, it was only about six or eight people. I do remember and, that cover. And, and I wound up, I was horrified. <laughs> and we wound up getting the bigger picture, framing it and giving it to every single president for their office with it making it look like they were there. But, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it was such a, you know, let's face it. Um, again, how many times have you heard me say how fortunate? I've been fortunate to meet some of the finest people in the world and to work with them. So that's pretty cool, right? I mean- That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah really. And you know what, it doesn't get better than that, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. Think of all the people you've worked with, Molly. Yeah, and, and there's a handful of people that, you know, inspire you. Uh, you know, there's one other thing I would say is I always felt uh, that the building industry helped me more than I ever helped it. 
So I always felt the same way. liked and felt good about speaking. You know, I can't tell you how many dinner meetings that I've spoken at, but I always felt like honored to do that. And I also felt a responsibility to be really honest in those. And, you know, New Home went public in 2014. And for most of my career, KB, I was a president, but they were public. But then from 91 to 2014, I was a private builder. And, uh, and, and I, I think, uh, developed a reputation of telling people what I thought. Thought. And, you know, good or bad, some people liked it, some people really didn't care for it. But um, uh, when I was became a public builder, I still tried to talk and tell people uh, how I felt. Uh, and that was challenging at times. But, you know, I loved uh, going and speaking at those rubber chicken, you know, think of how many times you've done it, right? You know, how many of those evenings when you really probably yeah. would rather be home watching a movie or being with right. your family. But for me, I always left those and it felt, or, you know, speaking at uh, PCBC or, or the Nationals or any of those places that uh, I always walked away feeling, well, that went well, but it could have been better. You know, I always thought, gosh, I wish I would have been a little better at those. So I, I took it pretty seriously. I, I'm proud to be a home builder. Do you think that's because you're hard on yourself or do you think that's because it, so, I mean, I would say every day of my life, Larry, I wake up the next day and think yesterday could have been better, but I got to do it better today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you could have worked with us because that's exactly the attitude. You know, it's, it's really funny when we named the new home company, I named it <laughs> and I studied names and I, you know, I mean, one option, there, there are only three kinds of names, okay? And ready? One is you name it after yourself. Right, right. So, you know, you put a blank, you know, Hobnanian Homes, whatever. Lennar was, you know, Leonard Miller, okay? Uh, you know, Horton, Don Horton, and Pulte, Bill Pulte. So one, you name it after yourself. A second is you take two generic names and you just put them together. Greystone, Brookfield, Bob, just put them together. That's a name. And the third is you take a concept like village homes, those kind of things. And so I said, well, okay, if I want an organization that is always trying to come up with new ideas and improvement, why don't we just call it the new home company? And we can never be the old home company. Okay, and and I thought it was a great idea. I for the first two or three years, people used to chuckle at the name because it is sort of a stupid name, but <laughs> it definitely I I I I like that name, you know. And and um, as I tell my wife, I am a marketing legend, and uh, and she's not. Does okay. she chuckle so it, when you say that? <laughs> she does. And she's a thousand times better at marketing. <laughs> I get that. She's pretty awesome. She is. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. It's funny. I'll never forget hearing it for the first time and kind of scratching my head and then thinking it's kind of brilliant. And, you know, I think you're right. It starts with people and, and the people begin with who the homes you're building them for. And just yeah. to make it a simple proposition, like the new home company to me makes yeah. sense. You know, that's great. I'm going to ask you a couple of like quick kind of fire round questions. Um, sure. So give me your favorite sport. Uh, I have, I love all sports uh, with a ball. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably my favorite um, would be either football or basketball. Do you have a favorite uh, player? I, I have, I really liked Kobe Bryant a lot. Oh yeah. He was, he, you know, I would say he was my favorite player. Um, I like, uh, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills now. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I like, I also like soccer a lot cause I played it my whole life, but, and I love golf, you know, so any sport with a ball is my favorite sport kind of. We're going to have to get you and Adrian with a soccer ball at one point. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that about Adrian. His, 
he he was a great player and his father was a professional. Oh yeah. It's yeah. a cool story. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite pastime? Uh, I think anything involving uh physical fitness. I, I oh. love working out and I love uh, how I feel after. And then uh, the other two things I like a lot, I love to read. I'm a bookworm. I read every day. Uh, definitely won't go to bed without reading. Uh, I, in, the morning, in the morning, I, I'm so old that uh, I get two newspapers and I physically sit and read two newspapers with my wife and we love it. And then the other thing, I love the movies. And I know the movies have kind of taken a hit with COVID and everything, but I, I like going, I like watching the movies. I like going to the movies. Well, as we're wrapping up, I wanted to ask you, um, as you were growing up, was there sort of that one person who was an inspiration to you that helped you to kind of become the person you are? Um, that sort of one person that, um, wow, you know, I, I always, when I, that person helped me to kind of be the person I am today. Well, you know, I, th I thought about that and um, there were actually a series of people, some I was very close to and a couple I, I wasn't, but one of them is a little out of left field, but my favorite American in my lifetime was my first favorite American was Bobby Kennedy, but my second one was John Wooden. And I loved John Wooden and I loved kind of what he talked about and what he stood for. And I got to meet him a few times. And I'll tell you, Joan was always inspirational for me because I, I wanted to never let, you know, her down. And, um, and um, she was very comfortable telling me when I did. <laughs> No, and, and you need those people around you to yes. hold you up sure. and also make you accountable. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So so my final uh, my final question for you, Larry, is if you had three wishes, I'm giving you three wishes, what would your wishes be? I really um, wish our political system worked where, where both sides really realized that we're all Americans. And I wish that we didn't have this incredible animosity between Democrats and Republicans. And, and I, I, I believe we have the greatest system in the world, but I don't think it's operating like that. And, and I really wish that um, they would really respect each other and, and work together uh, as opposed to just find fault with each other. I, I'm really disappointed with our system now. And and really with our elected leaders. So that's one, um, on a very selfish note, um, uh, I, it, I, I am, um, you know, I'm entering a new chapter that's very unknown. And I hope that I get to do something moving forward that, um, you know, if, if I had a dream, I would like to have Joan and I, you know, make the world a better place over the next 20 years. And, uh, you know, 30, but along, I'd like to, to really um, be able to, um, to make a positive impact uh, moving forward. And, um, you know, I, and, uh, and, and, you know, on an even more selfish area, you know, I, uh, I have two daughters and two stepdaughters, and I love them all. And I really hope and that they, you know, they're very um, impressive women, and I want them to have a happy life, you know, moving forward. And if I could sneak a fourth one in there, I sure would like to shoot around 80 sometime in golf. Okay, just, I'm not asking for a lot, just... Like one round about 80, that would be great. Okay. Can I have that's okay, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like they're your wishes. So that's yeah, that would be fun. It'd be fun to be a better golfer. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, I, I'm gonna say this from the whole industry, Larry. I, I can honestly tell you we love you. And I'm so grateful for this time and being with you. And and if I were to sum up 
our whole conversation together, and I think what you do so well is just it's people and it's listening and it's selecting good people and it's it's working together and teaching them to work together and respect each other and like each other. And that goes for our political system, if any of you are listening. Yeah. Um, and just um, and ending with family and sports. I mean, uh, <laughs> I can't yeah. think of a better wish either. So yeah. <laughs> um, I so appreciate your time. And um, this is just such an honor for me to do this series. And uh, again, just thanks for sharing. Well, if we're together, I give you a big hug. I okay. know, I know what I hear next. I'm I, gonna give you a I big know, hug and give Joan a big hug for me too. I, I will and and thank you for considering me. It's, oh, it, I'm yeah. honored to be here, really. Every person I talk to, they're like, you're gonna talk to Larry Webb, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Thank okay, you. take care. Thank you. Thanks everyone for joining us today with Larry Webb. There were so many great takeaways, but I just thought I'd share a few of my highlights. Uh, the top and most important one to me is teach and listen. Larry started out as a teacher. I think he's a great teacher today, but most of all, he's a really good listener. The second one is don't be afraid to explore new things in your career. Now, Larry started out as a teacher, then a market researcher, then he was a developer, and then he was a builder at five different builders. And every time he got through each career and moved on to the next one, he just did it better. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do next. The last one, but not the least, uh, probably the most important is do what you love and do it with the people that you love doing it with. And I would tell you, people matter so much in everything that you do. And if you believe in them, they'll believe in you and make sure that they know that. Um, Larry does that extremely well. So with that, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you enjoyed today and we hope you'll come back next time. Take care.